to your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons, jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. For me, the top story is Putin saying that we can expect a second wave or that he's preparing his health ministry for a second wave of the coronavirus in October or November. And while I don't think Putin buys into all this stuff. I never think he buys into anything. Snowden, ISIS, any of that, 9-11, for heaven's sake. But he has to give it lip service because he's he uses the same kind of propaganda techniques and fear tactics against his own people. He's not going to let a good psyop go to waste. So whatever the truth is about this whole thing, the fact that he is coming out presciently and saying October and November beware, it's going to make him look like a genius, like the good father, And that's what makes me think that there's not that we weren't already prepared for exactly that timing, the October surprise, the election, whatever. I just feel like that that reconfirms to me that this is what the timeline is. That's interesting. I heard that Notre Dame and other schools are thinking about starting the fall semester early so that they could finish by November in order to avoid the second wave. I don't know if you saw the article I tweeted about Georgia Tech, which there was a story it's in the sports section, and it was an image of the 1918 football game, one of the football games, and all the fans sitting in the crowd, kind of distanced from each other with mask on, and some of the conversations that were going on back then, which are very similar to what we're talking about right now. Wow. I, I guess now I think that the mask thing was inspired by that. And I bet the 1918 imagery, and I wouldn't be surprised if I remember after the show, I'm going to go into a time limited search and see how many articles mocked the mask approach to the 1918 flu pandemic. My guess is that it was, that it was not, did not have a scientific basis and later was proved to be unscientific, but it had such a psychological impact that it was used by the Event 201 gang or whoever decided on this controversial measure, a divisive measure based on having been inspired by past events. Nothing new there either. And allegedly back then, that was the biggest obstacle for stopping the virus, they say, is getting people to wear masks. Or that was the biggest thing that people did not want to do. The anti, yeah, there was a San Francisco anti-mask league we talked about, very much against it. So a lot of similar things going on 100 years ago. I believe I really want to look into that. I really bet that that stuff inspired this this theme this time around. They have compared it to the Spanish flu from day one. So right, but the mask thing is what I, even today in the news, Trump was at Ford. Ford said you have to wear a mask. The apparently the government said it was a requirement, it was a law. Trump said he wore it behind the scenes, but did not want to give the media the satisfaction of yeah. seeing him in a mask. I mean, if that is not provocative, divisive, politicizing something, and how could it be politicized only if there's real dispute as to its efficacy, the wisdom of it, if it didn't have controversy around whether or not it worked or was necessary, I don't think you could get adherence on both sides like this. And I bet that came from how it panned out after the 1918 thing. There is a lot of controversy surrounding it. And Fauci last night was being interviewed. He has reemerged a couple of times in a couple of ways. Last night, he was telling people to go out, exercise, but make sure you wear a mask, encouraging people to jog in mask. 
Even though there's been stories of people collapsing and dying with collapsed lungs in China and other areas because they're wearing a mask. And actually, you can't wear a mask, can't cover your face and jog at the same time. It's a okay. terrible idea. Friend of the show sent me a long story about she saw an old man walking down the street with a mask on. He had emphysema. He was having trouble breathing. She told him to pull down his mask just to breathe. And he said no, not because he was afraid, but he didn't want people to yell at him. That's what he said. That's the power of fear right there. Never mind the fact that even they say by their own counts that there's only been how many people who've been infected by this thing when they've been outside in the entire world? One. Yeah, I believe it. So Fauci was in the in the news for that and this other thing that he's doing that is called hashtag pass the mic campaign. Here's how it works. The pass the mic campaign is part of the one world campaign. That's what the campaign's called. O-N-E, all caps, world campaign, and calls for a global response to COVID-19 that protects the most vulnerable, supports people in the worst hit uh, economic areas, strengthens the health system, and creates a more just and equal world. It is run by, one, a global campaign to end extreme poverty and preventable diseases by 2030. So this is right up 2030 agenda. It's called One World Campaign. And here's what it is. Beginning yesterday, and it's going to continue for three weeks, celebrities and movie stars will be turning over their social media accounts for a day to frontline health workers and other experts to allow them to share their perspectives on the pandemic. And it started with Julia Roberts handing over her Instagram account and other social media accounts to Dr. Fauci. Whoa! So they're plugging these scientists and propagandists into these highly engaged niche networks that are very prone to the influence of those celebrities, and they're putting those frontline workers like Fauci right into their minds. Hold on. Maybe I'm not understanding this correctly. So instead of Julia Roberts retweeting something Fauci tweets... He tweets from her account. Is that what I'm yes. stand here? The focus is going to yeah. be on video. So they make the Instagram videos to their millions of highly engaged followers. These people on Instagram are an engaged group of people. So they're going to have direct access to millions of minds via short videos. And these people do anything that these celebrities tell them on these networks. That's why they're choosing these propaganda channels is because this is a niche, engaged, large audience that these celebrities are tapping into. They're going to now let the scientists and experts tap into them. Wow, that's scary. There's a really famous law case called New York Times v. Sullivan, where I think it's an aside issue, but what they allowed was, for it's amazing to me, they allowed the New York Times to get away with putting a paraphrase in quotation marks. So do you understand the implications of that? Yeah. I mean, you could take something that should have been sarcastic, was worded in just the right way to make sure you understood the meaning, rewrite it and put it back in quotation marks. Yeah. And the, the, the impact of that is so different to say it's right out of a person's mouth. Now, yeah. if it's a video and it's Fauci himself saying it, but I can see that that would be highly manipulative at a deeply psychological level. Yeah, it's like a personal interaction. That's how those feel. Those videos they make, they're from their homes, even when it's not pandemic season. And they make them while they're walking, the kind of selfie type videos. It is a very good propaganda technique. 
Well, trusting someone, there are people I trust solely because someone I really trust trusts them. Yes, exactly. It's also like the Tom Hanks Simpsons movie moment where he says the government has no credibility, so I'm lending them some of mine. It just dawned on me, yeah, some of the language in Event 201 is to tap into the network of influencers. That's what this is. Yes, yes. They tell you to do that. They actually identify who is trusted. They say, they were surprised to say or made a point of saying that, employees trust their bosses the most. So you should get to them. They also went further and said, we will get influencers, big money guys inside countries, all these various countries to make phone calls to the political leadership, to the president, pressuring them to go in lockstep with these rules. Yeah. So, and they are so behind it. When you look at all that soft power stuff, it's, I will say, I have to say this. I re, I, started to populate our dormant propaganda report YouTube channel with, I hope people will go by tomorrow. I want a thousand subscribers. I had like nine yesterday. I tweeted it. I got 400 in a couple of hours. I bet by tomorrow we could have a thousand, which will make it not dormant. But I started populating it with the propaganda report deep dives. And many of them have right out of the out of the horse's mouth and it's pre-COVID time. So I don't think it's going to get us taken down anytime soon, but it's out of the horse's mouth. These clips of people saying how they do stuff like that, that from the Brookings institution, the council of foreign relations, the army war college, they, they understand this stuff and they do it. It is a conspiracy. They are conspiring in their own words. It's really, it's, I think that stuff is amazing. And event 201, the work we've done on that too, yeah. which I will not put on YouTube because I know that will get taken down and taken us down. But it, it they talk about that stuff expressly. They, they and they think they're the good guys for doing it. Yeah, they feel justified in doing it. And this goes all the way back to World War One, the British doing it to us, playing you know sleeper cells of influential celebrities, lords and dukes, and putting them around our celebrities and our politicians. It's the same thing, just at a As highly advanced technological Markle. level. And I want to relate this to something you tweeted right after... Oh, I want to shout out, but I and I'm going to do that right now. But I also have another kind of event to a one thing that I noticed. And so before we move on, let's get to that. But we have been really grateful. So many people have answered the call and become patrons. Our our patron saints get to give us a shout out. And I love what some of these are. So let me without a delay. This relates to something you said earlier from Jason. Humanity faces a grave crossroads, not because of the coronavirus, but because of fear. It causes people to behave stupidly. Therefore, nations behave stupidly. We should face this situation consciously without fear. So I just love these messages from our patron saints. Something to think about. Maybe rewind it. Listen to it again for a second. I I did. I read it. Yeah, that's a good one. It's true. Yeah. I like it. Super true. So you tweeted an article about Atlanta and the contact tracers. I've been following that for a few weeks now. And one of the things that they've been talking about doing, the trust issue, they've been talking about that, is how do we build trust for this contact tracing stuff? Because people are wary about the privacy. And one of their solutions is to do the same thing that they're doing here with Fauci is to find celebrities they can tap into and use celebrities to spread these messages that contact tracing is good. You must be surveilled. Let us watch you. Wow. I all I, I kind of stalled in that article when they said, oh, no, no, no. This isn't the Google Apple thing, which uses Bluetooth. We're using GPS. Oh, like, that's yeah. 
That makes me feel Maybe so I much better. It. But what they said is you you enter your symptoms into your app and then their contact tracers can just follow your app without actually you even knowing it. They can follow you around. Whereas the Apple and Google oh, thing, I think you don't even make that initial moment. You just turn your phone on and they know. So there's, you won't even know we're here. I'm a fly on the wall watching you. Yeah. And I, I think it's funny that Israel outed itself as doing that anyway. Because they, they turned it on like in five, oh, literally in five minutes. That is what has been going on in a lot of places where they've taken surveillance technology that they've already been using and just right. repurposed it for oh. this. And it's kind of like, oh my gosh, you were doing this already? Just in another context? <laughs> Where'd you get that? Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> so somebody uh, off Guardian, I don't know where that news source came from. I'd never seen it before. It has just absolutely had fantastic coverage of coronavirus. I think everybody's noticing that it it's just off Dash emerged. Guardian, right? Yes, yes. The a Twitter can't do that, so it's off Guardian Zero or something. But I tweeted out their article, but within their article embedded was a PDF. This thing it's called it was from September 2019. It was the Global Vaccination Summit in Brussels. And one of the things this this one pager is called the 10 actions towards vaccination for all. I'm not going to read that to you, but I did tweet it, but there were a few things, three things that the off guardian said was in the main points. They wanted to design and implement an immunization information system so they can track programs. They wanted to study the feasibility of developing a common vaccination card or passport for all EU citizens. And they wanted to overcome the legal and technical barriers impeding the interoperability of national immunization information systems. So this is all about information. It's all about tracking. It's, it is part of the whole biometric thing, real ID thing. And it was in 2019 and they were going to do a feasibility study over two years and then offer up their proposals in 2022. So it's called the vaccination roadmap. And right now, happens to be when they're studying how it would work, if it would work. And of course, I think that they will accelerate it. The real idea has been pushed back from 2020 to 2021. So they're probably getting all their ducks in a row. I'm sure this is exceeding their wildest dreams and expectations of how easy it'll be to get this done. And I actually think they don't, they want some resistance so that they can have a little longer in the crackdown. But I do believe this is coming. Yeah, the people who are testing all this new stuff, the new infrastructure, the new smart infrastructure, the policing, the smart policing and what you're talking about here, they are thrilled when you hear them talk about it. Like I saw the an interview with the CEO of AT&T and he was just giddy. So we're testing our infrastructure and we're stretching our resources. And he was just so excited about what they were doing. And I mean, he could go on forever living in this state if it were up to him. And maybe it is. I have no idea. And they, and it seems to me when they're like that, that they really have contempt for us. Like they think that there are two kinds of people. They yeah. just feel like we're yeah. sub. <laughs> yeah, we're I idiots. think that, yeah, we're we like cattle. It. We're, we're going to be saved despite them and we don't deserve. It's just, it's really disgusting. And that's where that basket of deplorables that anyone who does not want to wear a mask for valid scientific reasons is chunked into that basket. Yes, and I have a story to tell you about a virtual doctor's appointment and how doctor's appointments might look in the, in the near future anyway, right after this word from our sponsor. 
What's up, guys? With everything going on in the world right now, it couldn't be a better time to grow your own food. Or if you're like me, to learn how to grow your own food. Something that I've wanted to learn how to do for a long, long time because I want to learn how to live a more sustainable lifestyle. That's why I'm thrilled to have found Neighbors Feed and Seed in Smyrna, Georgia, one of the most welcoming, friendly, and truly helpful places that I have ever been to in my life. They offer affordable, high-quality garden supplies, vegetable plants, bird feeds, chicken feeds, premium pet food, just about anything you can think of, and they got it. And they got it at affordable prices that the big box stores cannot compete with. And the best part about it is that they're locally owned by a fantastic group of folks who are happy to answer any growing or planting questions that you may have. It's the kind of personalized customer service that a beginner like me needs. I'm going to be honest with you. I love Neighbors Feed and Seed. I would hang out there all the time if I could. They would have to kick me out, which they wouldn't do because they're too welcoming and friendly to do it. It's that kind of place, and you can feel it as soon as you walk through the door. So if you are in the Smyrna area, go to Neighbors Feed and Seed. I promise you, you will thank me later. Maybe I'll see you there. In the meantime... You can check out their website at NeighborsFeedAndSeed.com. That's NeighborsFeedAndSeed.com. Or if you have any questions, give them a call at 678-653-8838. That's 678-653-8838. And make sure you tell them that the Propaganda Report sent you. Okay. Uh, By the way, Neighbors Feed and Seed is doing e-commerce now. I need to add that into the ad. So you can go to their website. That's so great. That's super, super duper exciting. Yes, very exciting. for that. My mom had a virtual appointment today with one of her doctors. I've told you before that she has a tracheotomy tube. And tracheotomy tubes can be very challenging, especially getting it right with the body. And people who have them, their bodies can be formed differently. So having it match that, match the shape of your neck and the shape of your body is important. At first, it was very difficult, and she was in ICU for a long period of time before they got it right. And once they finally got it right, it got better for her. But we do have to change I have heard that that the vents have those problems, too. They can be put in wrong and kill people. They can definitely be put in wrong. And every few months, we had been getting it changed every two to three months because the more congestion you have, the more it can degrade. So you need to change it so you can not get an infection and everything. And that's always a risk going to change it. So this was about changing her. The time has come to change it again, at least you know by the time we've been doing it, the two to three month period. And the doctor, the first thing that she said during the appointment was she said that she's going to be required to stay for 48 hours. There was no visitors and she's going to have to be in here by herself. And that is... Can, my mom, she... You cannot communicate with her unless you have been caring for her for a period of time. Because I've been through this in the ICU before. We always have to be there to help them understand what it is that she needs because of the communication difficulties. Like a translator. Yes. Yes, exactly. A translator. And take that away. And not only is she afraid... She's isolated. She's wearing a mask because they forced them to wear a mask, which means every few minutes somebody's putting their hands on her face to take it off. And these people are going to see other patients as well where the sicknesses are in the hospital. This is a recipe for disaster for people who are in these critical conditions. We're not going to do it. We're waiting to do it. And I'm already looking. What a terrible choice. It's a terrible choice. And there's some other things that I, I asked is they said it's not up to us. There's nothing we can do about it. And 
my question was, well, who is the decision maker on that and what is the policy? Where can we go read the policy? She did not know. This isn't her fault. She was she was very compassionate and nice, but I was just trying to get information so that I could learn more and see what what the loopholes are. How do we, The only way we're going to go in here and do this is if one of us can go with her. There's not going to happen other than that. And they're trying to tell us that that can't happen. So I wanted to see the document. She did not know. She said she didn't think there was a document and she didn't know who makes the decisions. She said, I think it's a committee or something. So they, they're enforcing rules saying they don't have a choice in the matter, yet they don't have a document they can point people to and they don't even know who the enforcer of these rules are. And these are the frontline workers. Not their fault, but be very careful if you have somebody that you are in a position where you have to go to the hospital like that because this could be a way to increase the numbers. This is absolutely going to increase the mortality rate for people in this situation. I don't even... I think it might even be more sinister than that, not just to decrease or increase the numbers, but I I think that this is a, a kind of, what did I call it, geriatricide, that people who are older are really being killed prematurely, yeah. and that that's no accident. It just boggles the mind that they're saying that these people who cannot communicate. Well, they can communicate, but when someone new comes in, especially when they're busy in hospitals, when they're busy, they don't, you, I mean, you got to really get in somebody's eyes and mouth and you got to read their lips while they're talking. It's Gosh. difficult and challenging. And somebody who does not know the person, know the nuances of the way they speak and the nuances of their needs. Cause there's very specific needs that I can recognize almost immediately. My dad can almost immediately that somebody who's never met her would not figure out if they had 48 hours to figure it out. I similarly would have a problem if my son, who has Down syndrome, we went to the hospital. Nobody can understand. I mean, you really can't really understand him unless you kind of know how he sounds. And he really freaks out like needles. He had an IV in his arm. I could never leave him alone. I mean, I slept in a chair with my hand on him so that he wouldn't pull the IV out for three days straight. I mean, people who are in that position... You can't, they don't, and they're not going to care. Those are, there are people dying and I think they're dying because of things like that. I do too. And that is what they're asking people to still do right now. And that is dangerous. Yeah. Wow. Well, keep us posted. You really are ahead of this because your mother is in the absolute vulnerable group for people who can't really take a marginal decrease in the level of care or an increase in the risk. Yeah. Of being in a hospital. So so what were you saying? That you had another story about hospitals, though. Was that it? It was a restaurant story. Is that what yes, you're thinking about? Yes, the restaurant about? story. They're trying to create this experience where we live our lives free of human contact. And restaurants are some of the first ones. Contact-free restaurant technology. And there's a, a restaurant in New York which is implementing some of these new techniques. First of all, this Brooklyn Chop House the guy who owns it, he's vowing to Peter create... Luger's, maybe? Do what? Is it Peter Luger's? Sorry to interrupt you. Peter Luger's. No, his name is... His last name is Morfogen, M-O-R-F-O-G-E-N. And he's vowing to create the first contactless experience in a restaurant. But until then, he has updating his own. And what you're going to have to do when you enter the Brooklyn Chop House is when you go in, patrons will go through an ultraviolet thermal body scanner... 
He says the ultraviolet kills anything on your clothing, and the machine will also take the guest temperature, and they will not be allowed in for anyone who reads over 99.7 or higher. And he's also building that second restaurant, as I said, that is going to be contact-free. So you go in, you get thermal scanned, and they're checking your temperature just like you're walking through a metal detector. This is going to be a new normal, and who knows what those things are really checking. And if it's hot outside, your temperature is going to be higher. There's so many factors that can contribute to this. When they banned smoking, it devastated the bars and restaurants in New York. And the scene was just never the same. Again, I would talk to the bartenders I knew from many years of patronizing them. And I think this will have a permanent deleterious effect on them. It will definitely. One more thing that this reminded me of is they told us that my mom would be required to go get tested before going to the hospital. And that was another thing I objected to because, as we know, the tests are completely unreliable. And what if she gets a false positive? That's what I, that's what I told my they dad. They China. I was just They'll listening keep you for two weeks. to David Crow, and he said there was a really, what he called, awkward study that in, from China that said 80% of the, of the positives were false positives. And that is scary as well, because if you test positive, you're going to get sent somewhere, especially if you're, you're sick and they don't want you. They're going to say, we need to isolate this person. There's no telling where they will end up. And what that's going to do to your permanent record. That's true. I mean, you just don't know. It's like bad but credit. One of, one of the things I saw, speaking of credit, is that they, the LA Times had an article that said cash is the new typhoid Mary, which I believe typhoid Mary did not actually spread typhoid as she was censured for. It ruined her life. Really? I don't really think she did it. No. But... They are saying cash. They want to sterilize cash. People are freaking out about cash. I saw another article. I think Ken sent it to me that there will be contactless payments. So you don't even have to put your credit card on the screen. There won't be a touch screen. That's coming to restaurants first. So they're, they're using this opportunity to, to basically sterilize the earth as if, as if they wanted that human beings were vermin or something. That is the way they talk, that we are the problem. And this restaurant guy was talking about some of that, too. How do we still bring customers out when we have to do this social distancing? And they were talking about measures of shutting down entire streets and cities, which it's like a double way to keep people at home and keep people off the streets. Speaking of callbacks from history, one of the and and treating human beings without any consideration. One thing I remember, I don't know if I read it in the Grapes of Wrath, but I have since verified it in historical texts. I, I, I'm not, I don't know what the evidence is, but it's certainly accepted as a historical fact that food was destroyed during the Great Depression, even while people were hungry. Just something about, was it the distribution chain? Or maybe I think they wanted to maintain the price level. It was something. I, I forget the reasoning behind it. But they are doing the same thing now. I'm reading article after article. It says the food prices have spiked more than they have in 50 years. And at the same time, we're having an unprecedented destruction of food from smashing eggs to dumping milk to killing animals to aborting pregnant pigs. They're really they're saying that it's because the food processing plants have to shut down for the protection of the workers. But think about the death and destruction from a real food shortage. And there aren't that many. If you look at the number of workers, they're they're positive, but they're symptomless positives. I mean, it's a real question as to whether there's 
this is just an out and out diabolical scheme to cause suffering or or it's all animals everything i've read so far is animals so it uh nacho slave texted to me or tweeted at us right away in the very beginning the coronavirus is the carnivore virus it came from a wet market it will be used to attack meat eaters and people laughed at him, but I on the tweet they were like, "You're an idiot," but he wasn't. I knew he wasn't. Yeah, and this I, is what happened. I saw another story about a different country. I can't remember the country, but believing that it came from and it was an it was another animal. It was another list of animals. It wasn't a bat. It's everybody's starting to well, speculate. Well, Event One has it coming from a bat to a pig to the farmers in Brazil. So that's why I kind of knew Brazil was going to be big. And then it gets to a Chinese person or something in Chicago, (laughs) which is what that was the same. Oh, maybe that was lockdown. Lockdown had the Chinese person in Chicago. That was was lockdown. The Chinese zero. That was a true story. That's our patient zero is a Chinese guy in Chicago or maybe Seattle. But like there was the big one was the Chicago Chinese guy. And then in the Rockefeller Foundation lockdown from 2010, it says that this was what happened in Chicago. It'd be, all of these scenarios have so many elements of the truth. I could go back and verify it, but my memory's pretty good on that stuff. Maybe it's a little uh, yeah. bit different, but you could find it. I'm fairly certain that in the movie Contagion, which the World Health Organization recommends people to watch to scare them, and Sanjay Gupta is in, that Patient <laughs> Zero is infected in Hong Kong, Hong Kong or China. And then they come over to Chicago. Oh, no and way. And that's where it spreads. That's where the main I've character. I've never seen that movie. It's not getting confused in my mind because I've never seen that movie. I'm pretty sure it's Chicago. Well, that is what happened in reality. And it happened in one of the scenarios. That's it's crazy. just you can't make this stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's totally predictable that that's the only way a pandemic could start. Yeah. Well, you can make it up and then they can do the exact same thing that the movie did. Oh, yeah. They did make it up. Sorry. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. And this, my friend, is why we cannot be on YouTube. But yeah, whatever. this would not fly. <laughs> so, no, definitely wouldn't. Oh, I did want to give you an update that the last time we talked, I think the provisional death count, CDC death count, was something like 8,400 a day for the 10-week period they were tracking, which should have been around on track with 2019 deaths per day during that period. It's down. It looks to me like I'm talking total deaths per day in the country of all causes. So if you have a pandemic, you would assume that your total deaths per day would be higher than the previous year. Or what the hell is the definition of a pandemic? Which, by the way, they changed the definition of a pandemic recently, like a year or two ago, to make it not a pandemic anymore. <laughs> Thank the World Health Organization for that. 8,200 deaths per day in the 16-week period since the beginning of February. So what was it last year? Last year. Oh, I I think I didn't have it for every single month. I had like the average, which was maybe 8,000, a little under 8,000. But for February, for example, it was 8,400 or 8,500 because in the winter, more people die. So in the summer, it's going to get very low. And I don't know what the net effects are. There's it will net out with with deaths from not going to the hospital from uh, less deaths from not driving, maybe fewer deaths from not going to the hospital. There are net effects. But the point is, if it's basically the exact same number as last year, 
we probably need to break those out a little better and understand why it's the exact same number of people are not dying from other things than are supposedly dying from COVID. Well, 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 it would have been millions more had we not done the social distancing and shut but down. you know, that's not what they said. They said we're flattening the curve. We're not reducing the number of deaths, remember? They're mitigating. Yeah, they said they were mitigating. That's right. what they said. They We just want to use those hospital beds serially instead of all at once, but you are going to die. Yeah. So that that's the thing. I'm just trying to use their own BS against them because that's what they deserve. It's absolutely what they deserve. <laughs> I got so much more. Let's let's go for the patron 15. Yeah, I got some more too. In the patron 15, I'll tell you about the parallel universe we might have. We are taking our first day off since we started the patron 15, and it's a it's Memorial Day on Monday. Oh, yeah. But you're probably going to have something super, super, super cool for people to listen to in its place. I will. Don't tell them. Yeah, let it be a surprise. Let it be a surprise. Yeah. All right. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform or the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that we post every time we post a Drive Time News Blast, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and join. We will talk to you guys later.